My mother was very familiar with her neighborhood, but one day she stopped at the stop sign and she wasn't even really sure where she was at. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Coming up on the WSJ Media Mix podcast, Suzanne Vernicia and Jack Marshall from the Wall Street Journal discuss Snapchat's IPO and the ad negotiations leading up to it. Welcome to the WSJ Media Mix podcast, bringing you interviews and analysis with people that matter in the fast-changing media business. Snapchat is revving up for its IPO, and it's on an ad sales offensive, hunting for big deals with media buyers. Welcome to the WSJ Media Mix podcast. I'm Amol Sharma, media editor here at The Journal, joined by our star ad reporter, Suzanne Vernicia, and Jack Marshall from CMO Today, as always. Hello. What's up, guys? Jack, you're a star, too. There's Thanks. enough love to go around. <laughs> um, uh, before we start, I just wanted to note, we're going to be doing some different things on the pod for people that have listened for a while. We're going to bring on reporters uh, who've worked on big news stories like this one. Suze is the lead writer on the Snapchat story today. Um, we might also, um, from time to time, have people go behind the scenes on some of their big, deep features that they've done. And then we'll keep bringing on big guests, which we've, which we've done, and Jack is has been an uh, expert at that, so we'll keep that up. I'll also be a slightly bigger feature on the podcast uh, going forward. So let's jump into it. Suze, you were, as I mentioned, the, the lead on this um, Snapchat story about its discussions with ad buyers. Can you just let, take us through uh, what these agreements are that Snapchat is looking for? What, what are they about? So Snapchat, in its run-up to the IPO, is trying to get a better sense of what their ad revenue forecast is going to look like and what they're going to be able to reel in. And how they're going about it is trying to get ahead of the game by talking to the big advertising holding companies who clearly control the lion's share of money in the marketplace and trying to get them to agree to year-long deals in the you know from 100 to 200 million up from. Up from for for some it's double, and for some other bigger agencies it's triple the amount. You've got uh, some holding companies. Sources are saying are spending around thirty to forty, while others are at the ninety million mark th- uh, last year. So it's a pretty big jump. Um, but everybody is figuring out: is this you know the thing that's going to take on Google and Facebook? And I'm sure Snapchat is trying to use that in their favor. So is this a commitment to? I have to spend this money, I have to write you a check, or is it not? The, te- the digital deals that get done tend to be a little looser. Lots of them are not contractually bound, so it's like a promise to spend or a target spend. And then what happens is, you know, you work to get that. And clearly, even if it's not a commitment, a solid commitment that has a contractual bound agreement attached to it, you've got players on both sides that want to get to that number for several reasons, right? There's an incentive on both sides. You've got the agencies who basically will push for better pricing or different incentives to sign the agreement. And then depending on what their client's needs are, we'll try and meet that. You know, they don't just pick a number out of the air. They look at what where they are in their trajectory and how much they think they're going to grow and give them a number and a cushion to see it. We could probably increase between, you know, 40 and 70 and we'll come in somewhere in between. To what extent are these types of agreements sort of used by agencies as leverage as well against, you mentioned this already, but like the Facebooks and the Googles of the world? Um, I think I think in Snapchat's case, I think it's it's probably playing a huge role, right? The holding companies are under severe pressure to find a, 
a really viable number three option. Google and Facebook dominate the digital ad sphere and are gobbling up dollars across the board. And if you have looked through media for all the years, this is this has never been the case. You know, TV, there was multiple networks. And that suits the holding companies and marketers, right? We need competition because if not, no one is driving prices down, right? They're always, they control so much of the inventory and pricing, there's no leverage. And so this is a leverage play. So, so Snapchat, even though the numbers yeah. may not be binding, it, it kind of suits everybody involved, right? Well, even if they're not binding, the fact that they're making the commitment to do it and the fact that we know that most people want this to succeed, it bodes well for Snapchat. There's no question. Just how far will they commit really depends on if, if Snapchat can answer all the questions that are surrounding its platform, right? It's still, you know, there's lots of marketers that are still testing. Their measurement is not where it definitely should be. I mean, the ad products are relatively new. You know, they have a lot of buzz in the marketplace, but we saw the same thing with Facebook in the business, in the beginning beginning, right? Everybody's like, oh, Facebook running, you know, buying likes. And then all of a sudden, everybody's turned around like, what does that really do for my business? We're going to see sort of the same challenges for Snapchat. The hope is that they've learned from Facebook and actually get ahead of that. And you've seen them do that. They're striking agreements with third-party vendors to make sure they can measure right and prove that this stuff works. So I think on both sides, you've just got like this, this this impetus in the market that wants this to move forward. And I definitely think it bodes well for Snapchat, but they cannot get greedy. Don't The ad deals can cut both ways for somebody who's going uh, for a company that's about to go public, as you probably know better than anyone from Facebook, right beforehand, before the IPO, when there was, what was the big ad? There was a big ad deal that got that got pulled out. Well, right what happened was right? we had written a big story to say uh, it was like a couple months before the IPO, maybe a couple of weeks. You know, there was real questions. Marketers were finally turning around quietly. They didn't even want to admit it. Like, oh my God, we don't know if this works. And so we big did a big story, and then two weeks later, General Motors pulled out, and it, it was a kind of a disaster for them. And you know, people had an opinion. Well, it was for PR, what it was, but really, they did have the same questions that everybody. Like, is this really driving my business? That actually probably was the best thing that ever could have happened for Facebook because they realized, like, we got to fix this because if we don't fix it, we're going to end up with a worse problem if this happens while we're public, right? That was before they even went public. And even that was hard to handle. But, you know, they've done an amazing job. You have to give them credit. They prove this platform works in a lot of ways. And if it wasn't for those advertisers pushing back, I guarantee you it wouldn't have been. So that's, I mean, the narrative then for, for Snapchat is great here. If you can get it, there's a sense of momentum, you know, we're totally. signing these ad deals. They probably understand, I guess, that they have some leverage because of this duopoly. I'm you sure they're out using the, that to their advantage. Right. And, they, and it's not like their pricing is, isn't it? It's fairly they're, premium pricing. It's isn't very it? high priced. So to what extent, I mean, you mentioned obviously the, the holding company sort of deals that they're searching for, but also some of the other partnerships that Snapchat has announced over the past couple of weeks and months. To what extent is that really about sort of answering marketer needs versus, to a mole's point, sort of, sort of telling a story for for this for the street i think it's both right it's one and the same right they have because snapchat has been the hot thing right i mean you hear stories of advertising agencies struggling to get meetings with snapchat yeah and and that's been their biggest problem right that's why they went out and hired jeff lucas from viacom they they are struggling to like answer the call but everybody in advertising all the marketers want the hot new thing right and in the beginning it's kind of easy it's hot you use experimental but it's the secondary time that you sign your budget then the market up their up budget they got to prove their worth so i think a little bit is pr clearly and and 
it's really upon the reporters out there and the marketers out there to push back on Snapchat to make sure these agreements are real, right? Because anybody can get a third-party vendor to be like, yeah, yeah, I backed it and it sounds great and it's going to prove its worth and we think it drives sales. But you know what? We've learned a long time ago you can get a lot of third-party companies to put a rubber stamp on just about anything. All right, we're going to take a quick break and back with more on the WSJ Media Mix podcast. My mother was very familiar with her neighborhood, but one day she stopped at the stop sign and she wasn't even really sure where she was at. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Paul Vigna. If you do not subscribe to the Money Bee podcast, you are going to feel worse than a short seller on the day of a big rally. Go to iTunes and WSJ.com slash podcasts. You want to sign up for this one. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Just to follow up on this point that Jack raised about how Wall Street will interpret all of this, there is, if you could be somewhat certain as an investor that even a decent share of this money in these agreements will materialize. The, if it's $100 million, maybe $80 million of that will actually come through. It gives you visibility into revenue for one or two years that, for as, as you know, on Wall Street, it's a quarter-by-quarter game. If they know that in, a, in the volatile ad and digital media market, this new company that's going public has that stability, that's obviously a good thing, assuming, again, they follow through on these agreements. But that's, that's one of the big pluses I could see going into the IPO, and that, that might be why they're want to announce that is the that is the crux of this right the street pressures that these new digital media companies are under every 90 days is really tough right and they have to these agreements definitely give these companies like a good bird's eye view on how to manage expectations and how to manage wall street and that's what a lot of this is like wouldn't it be great if you if you're the sales guy over there you know you can pretty much bank that you've got this much money in the bank you know that's coming in and then you can shoot for more over promise under you don't want to over promise and under deliver right that's and we've seen this time and time and again i mean it's a rocky look at what's going on on ad tech like it, it is a tough environment for most of these companies. Even the darlings have had trouble. I mean, Facebook, you know, they're off by a tiny bit and all of a sudden, you know, the stock starts to gyrate and everybody's like, oh my God, they're bringing in billions and there's still this, you know, you might have been a little bit short on expectations, you know, like that's the danger. And I think that's what these agreements are great for. I actually think the agreements will probably get signed. They probably won't get what they're exactly asking for. But there is definitely enough momentum behind this platform that they'll get signed. And most times what happens is they the agencies sign an agreement and they cut it a little short and end up over-delivering on those promises. I mean, history has sort of shown us that. I assume, Jack, what they do not want is to be in a game with Wall Street of having their daily active users uh, scrutinized <laughs> every quarter the way has happened to Twitter. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Yeah, I mean, Facebook's the only one that is sort of doing okay playing that game at the minute. But, um, but Suze, I, j- I just wanted to ask, um, sort of a big theme in media over the past year, couple of years, has been sort of measurement and transparency. Um, is now, I mean, with Snapchat specifically, is now a good time for marketers and agencies to sort of push Snapchat because, you know, they're in this pre-IPO phase. Um, you know, they sort of have to make certain concessions. Uh, again, I think Snapchat has been perhaps more transparent than some other platforms when it comes to this stuff. But if you're a marketer, is now the time to sort of ask more? Do Look, you think? I think marketers are sitting back and realizing like, and we, we said it before, like, 
they built Google and Facebook, right? They got on stages, they talked up this thing, they fell in love. And now they're all sitting back saying, oh, you know, they got too much power in the market. You know, it's not very, you know, it's not very difficult. The marketers have lost the fact, lost the fact that they control the marketplace. You know, three marketers come together and tell Facebook or Google, we want this to be open or we want the tags to go in to measure this stuff. I guarantee you they start opening it up a little bit more. So I think they have such an opportunity now to turn around and use Snapchat as leverage. This is exactly what the agencies are going to do. Now, it's it depends on how Snapchat plays this. If they're smart, they work they work that, right? They take full advantage that they need a third player. And don't let's not, you know, Snapchat's not the only one out there. You've got Verizon well, like sitting out there. To do that to an extent. Right, but Twitter's got its own problems, of right? Course, like, yeah. you know, their user base, it's a confusing confusing platform. They have some diehard marketers that love it, some that, you know, still have big questions around it. But, you know, Everybody needs more player. Everybody's pulling for more players. So whether it's going to be Verizon or whether it's going to be, you know, an Asian company that comes along, somebody's going to hear and take advantage of this problem in the marketplace and give these marketers what they want. But it's also it's, it's also has to do with how sophisticated your your approach to Madison Avenue is. And as yeah. as you've reported, you can talk about this. Snapchat did not exactly have necessarily the greatest reputation at first with particularly the ad agencies. Why, why was that? Well, I think what happens is a lot of these companies, first, I think they were short-staffed. So they only had the sort of bandwidth to go directly to marketers, which can be dangerous. We've seen this in the past with other digital companies. I think people forget how small some of these companies are. Yeah. Because, you know, we talk about Snapchat in the same breath as Facebook, but, you know, it's <laughs> you know it doesn't have anywhere near the same sort of bandwidth. No. But. but I think, you know, they got smart quick there's other digital companies that took a longer time. They went out and they got, you know, Jeff Lucas from Viacom. You know, we like to talk a lot about about APIs in this business and digital and automated buying. But at the end of the day, and you, no one should ever lose, fa- you know, th- this focus, this is such a people's business. It's all about relationships. I mean, till I'm blue in the face, I can't understand how people can't get it. We're going to Who is Jeff, Jeff Lucas for people? Jeff uh, Lucas listening. is was the head of um, sales for Viacom and has, I'm telling like, literally decades long relationships with the people that control the biggest budgets on Madison Avenue. And people might, you know, poo-poo that and say, oh, that's the old way of doing business. Well, no, it's actually not the old way of doing business. Like, money is money. And what's the most important thing to a company when they're dealing with their money? Trust, right? Like, it's these are billions of dollars. Am I really going to trust somebody who's doing something automated? And I don't even know if it's billions of dollars. No, that you're not. You know, like you have to fundamentally trust these people. And I think that's a big part of this business that a lot of people, especially on the digital side, when they don't know any better, are like, oh, we can simply just do this in a different way. Well, you know, you can, but you have to make sure that you win over whether it's the marketers and those agencies that control a lot of the dollars. To what extent do you think Snapchat fancies its chances at sort of unlocking the elusive TV dollars, and especially with Jeff Lucas, as you said, because, you know, search is one thing, Facebook is one thing, but none of those guys have really done a great job of sort of really tapping into that TV spend today. Right. We saw some of the TV spend over the past couple of years start to move, and then all of a sudden, what happened this year, it all moved back, right? People really got you know, in trouble and some of the sales for some of these companies didn't go well. CPG companies in particular moved back into uh, television very aggressively. So I do think there's some of that in the marketplace that's going to, they're going to try like everybody else to take TV money and think Jeff can do it. But like Viacom hired, I mean, Facebook hired people from Viacom as well. You know, 
just because you have the person doesn't mean those budgets automatically go. You probably have a better shot because they're talking to the right people at those companies. But I think they're a long way from that budget crumbling. And I think um, what's playing in the television business favor right now is all these transparency issues around digital, you know, the fraud question, but also basic questions, right? Like, if we can target as great as we can, and everything is so sophisticated on one side, the companies that have stood up, whether it's a CPG company, an auto company, and said in the last couple of years, oh, my God, we've moved 60, 70, 80 percent of our money to digital. Um, where are the results? Where are the companies that all of a sudden are blowing away Wall Street on their earnings call and basically saying that's because we moved all our money out of television? I haven't seen that yet. You know, so I think that's the come to Jesus that we're all having. Like, you know what? It, it's also not one thing. You can't just put your money in one place. It's going to be multi. It's just a matter of like some of that budget's going to go. But who knows? Maybe the TV guys get their act together, together and actually do addressable advertising, right? OTT has the ability to do that. You know, we've been hoping and saying it's going to happen for years. years now, and, you know, I, I feel like I've been writing that for two decades at this point. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to leave it there. Much more uh, to report uh, ahead of the IPO on what Snapchat's up to, and we'll see how these uh, ad negotiations play out. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Suze. And uh, thank you again, Jack. We'll be back uh, again uh, next time with more WSJ Media Mix podcasts. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.